Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Well, we are talking about heaven this morning. And I've got to be honest, and as, as I was preparing for this series, I was nervous about preaching this series because I've never been to heaven that I'm aware of. And so I don't really know firsthand what goes on, how it all works. And so there's, a, there's an air of nervousness about communicating anything that I have not experienced for myself in some way. But I'm excited for this series because what it does invite us to do is have a closer look to this area of our existence as human beings that are more than just physical. And figure out just a little bit more of the mystery of all of that. And so this morning I want to talk the realities of heaven. And break down a couple of things about what, how, or how we could look at heaven. What it could look like. How we should think about it. And what we do with all of that information. But as I was doing some research, I, um, I came across a quote that many of you would know. Benjamin Franklin so famously said that there are two things certain in this life. Death and taxes. Anyone heard that one before? Yeah. It seems in our 21st century context, some folks have figured out how to wrangle their way around the tax situation a little bit more. We often get taught how to pay less tax, you know, by accountants claiming things. But the one thing that we've never quite been able to shake, with all of our technology and all of our affluence, certainly in the West, but all of our creativity... And all of our progress, the one thing that we haven't been able to shake, that still seems to remain certain in our life, is death. Indeed, being a part of the human race seems to have a 100% mortality rate, as far as I'm aware. I have not, never met anyone to the contrary. And also, I don't want to make light of that, because I know particularly for us as a church over the last few months, there has been a really intense time of grief and sadness. It's in those moments that we stop and have to start thinking, what is all of it about? Where do we go when all that we see, all that we experience in this life is said and done? The big question is, what happens when we die? What happens when we die? Because it's inevitable, we've covered that. And so I think it's worth paying some attention, spending some time exploring this. In the, the, in the book called 
Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, written by Stephen Covey. Is anyone familiar with that book? It's a very well-known leadership and uh, very well-known leadership book. He brings up seven habits. Surprise, based on the <laughs> based on the book itself. He brings up seven habits that highly effective or successful people seem to have some consistency. And to be honest, I listen to the book um, through audio. Most of the books that I read, I listen to while I'm doing other things. It helps me concentrate. I found this one flat out boring. I've no idea why. Maybe it was a person reading it or whatever, but I found it really hard to listen to, so I had to read it. But the second thing that Stephen Covey um, says is a habit of highly effective people is that they begin with the end in mind. I'm seeing a few nods from people that have read the book. They begin with the end in mind. He suggests you start, as you begin your life, stand in your funeral and think about what it is you want people to say about you, what it is you want to have achieved, what it is you want to have worked towards, what it is that you want to be known for, and then work your way back to now. And consider what is, what is it? in your life that you need to achieve to see that reality come to pass. Now, this is an absolutely secular book, but there's a nugget of truth in this, absolutely, that where we hope to be ultimately determines what we do now. And if we truly do begin with the end in mind, it has the capacity to radically transform our journey, radically transform our priorities. And so if we think about the end in mind, the end being heaven, what does that look like? What does heaven look like? It's an interesting question to consider because many of us, the world culture tells us a great many things about what heaven looks like. The Bible has a couple of things to say and they don't make a whole lot of sense in terms of the specific descriptions of it. I don't think we quite have the capacity to understand the truth of it just yet. But when we think of heaven, uh, there's culture, pop culture gives us a stack of different ideas for it, doesn't it? What have we got there? We've got the pearly gates. I don't know if those are particularly pearly, they look a little more gold, but I don't even know what pearly gates would look like. But we're told that the pearly gates are there, and we're told that St. Peter is standing in front of them. Now, I'm going to be honest, I was way older than I should have been when I made the connection between St. Peter at the pearly gates and Peter, the one that was with Jesus. Way too old for that, as in Bible college too old to make that connection. That's what culture was talking about. St. Peter, apparently the one at the pearly gates. I don't know why, but apparently that is what culture tells us is there. We also learn that apparently in, the, in, um, in heaven there's streets of gold where the pavements are golden. And I don't know, I talk, I'm, not an economic, I'm not an economic planner, nor am I an urban developer, but it seems like a a poor choice of pavement, if I'm honest. It's probably a bit slippery. It's actually really soft metal, all things considered, and it's expensive. I mean, bitumen's expensive enough, but gold? Yeah, I don't know. That's, maybe that's just me. But then there's probably clouds. Culture tells us that maybe we'll sit on clouds and we might have harps and we'll play some stuff. And that we'll worship God all day long. And some of you are like, yes, bring it on. I'm keen to sing praises to Jesus all day long. And then some of you are like, really? That doesn't sound like heaven. 
I don't want to listen to my voice all day long. I don't want to listen to their voice all day long. And that raises the question, what, which songs are we singing? Is it, all, is it going to all be Charles Wesley? Or is it going to be some 90s hill song? Shout to the Lord all the... No? Maybe? Maybe it's going to be country and western gospel music. I hope not. <laughs> Full respect to our friends in, South, in the southern North America for that, but I just can't get around it. All that's a little bit silly, but what it does is it paints a very interesting picture for us that our idea of what heaven might look like can be completely different to what someone else's idea of heaven could look like, which means we don't really know, which means we're guessing, which means there's a gap between our information and reality. And in that gap, I believe, is where God wants to work today and through this series to help us explore the realities of heaven as far as Scripture has to say, as far as Jesus had to say, and then help us begin our journey with the end in mind. What I find interesting is that for most of us, we have a far clearer picture of our next vacation than we do of something like heaven. Anyone got a vacation planned? We got one. As a family, we're headed to New Zealand at the start of next year, so about 12 months' time, maybe 10 months' time or thereabouts, for a bit of a family holiday before we, uh, Phoebe starts school. That's a reality, check. But that's going to be a lot of fun, and we've got a bit of an idea, well, we know where we're going. You know, we're cruising out of Adelaide, and we're doing a, going to a few different places, and then around New Zealand and, and whatever, and that's going to be a lot of fun. A bit more expensive than I planned, but that's life. Um, We've got a really clear picture of what we're going to do, where we're going to go in some sense. And, but f- for most of us, we, don't, we might have a, a better picture. Most of us, we do have a better picture of a vacation that we've got coming up or how we plan to retire or what we're doing next week or whatever it is. We've all, all got a better picture of that than we do of the one thing in life that is absolutely guaranteed is that at some point, it's going to come to an end, and we need to know a little bit about that. And so my goal for our time together for the rest of today and for the next two weeks is to inspire us to look towards and live towards the true realities of heaven. Will you join me on that? Because it's something I, that's something I want to do, and I think that's true of you as well. Whether you're a person of faith or whether you're not, why not look towards the realities of whatever is to come next? Because I think there's a whole lot more hope in believing there's something beyond this life than believing that all we see is all there is. So I want us to, to take it to look at a few conversations that a guy called Jesus from the New Testament, the Son of God, the one who said he was the only one qualified to speak of heaven, because he's the only one that had been to heaven. I want to see what he had to say about the realities of heaven. There's three conversations I want to take a look at this morning. Three conversations. The first one happens in Luke 23. And if you know the, the, the gospel, Luke is, uh, sorry, Luke records Jesus' life and ministry, and Jesus has just been crucified. 
And he's hanging there on a cross between two criminals. And they are all dying, all three of them. And in Luke 23, verses 39 to 43, it says this. It should be on the screen. One of the criminals who hung there next to Jesus hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the one that was to save us? Aren't you the one that was going to deliver us? Save yourself if you are, and save us too. And it continues. But the other criminal rebuked the first one. He said, don't you fear God? Don't you fear what happens next? Our life is done. We are finished. There is nowhere else for us to go. Don't you fear what comes next? Since you and I, we're under the same sentence. We deserve to be here. This other guy doesn't. It was no secret that Jesus' trial was a sham. And there they are hanging. He says, since we are under the same... We, we are justly punished, it says. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But, but this man, he did nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him and says, truly I tell you, or I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. What a promise. Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That term, paradiso, truly means a garden. Speaking of, I believe, something akin to the Eden. That's what the scriptures point to. That's what scholars suggest. There's a, this word paradiso means a garden, a lush garden where the Lord dwells. Truly you will be with me in paradise. And this, what Jesus says in this moment is, he, makes, he doesn't misspeak. He says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So he, the first reality of heaven that I think we need to understand is that heaven is a place that exists now in another place. That heaven exists right now somewhere else. Right now somewhere else. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense perhaps to you, but I want to just present that to you, and then we'll move on, and I'll wrap it all up as we finish. The second conversation that Jesus has is in John 14, verses 1 to 3. Speaking to His disciples, He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, for you believe in God, also believe in Me. For My Father's, and we, if you've been around church for a while, you know this one, for My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I am going there to prepare a place for you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me, 
that you may also be there where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And Jesus said that the way is me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And so in the, in the second conversation, we seem to discover that uh, there's a reality of heaven in which heaven is here now, or it's, sorry, heaven is here on earth, but in another time. The second reality that we need to understand, and I get that this is a little bit confusing, but it'll, it'll make sense in a minute, that heaven exists here where we are, but at another time, at another time, in another age. So that's the second reality that Jesus talks about, but there's a third one. And we find it in Matthew chapter 6, where we know, we've prayed this already today, Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer, gives His disciples a format in response to their question of, how do we pray, Lord? We've you seem to pray with such authority and, and sincerity. How do, we, how do we pray? Teach us. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Okay? So, we're praying to God, our Father, and He's in heaven right now. We're praying to Him. Hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come to us. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we look closely at what Jesus is talking about here, what we discover is the prayer is an invitation for the reign of God in heaven to become reality on earth. What Jesus is asking us to pray for, what He's teaching us to pray, is that may the realities of heaven become true on earth. And so the third reality that Jesus talks about is that heaven exists here and now in another way. So we've got a reality and understanding of heaven, Jesus describes it, that heaven is now, but it's somewhere else right now. It's the where we go when we die in this age, in this moment in time. But then he also seems to say that heaven is going to come to earth, and Jesus will return, but, so it's going to be here, but not right now. It's going to be in another age when Jesus returns. And then thirdly, he says, but also, just to keep things simple, but also, heaven can exist now in a completely different way to what you have experienced before, a completely different experience to what our world knows. And now I can tell that you are confused by this. I'm like, it's a lot of words and it's hard to understand. And so I've got, a, I've got a slide that helps us understand this a little bit. In the ancient Hebrew way of thinking, so Jesus' culture, they understood things to be of two realities. There is this age, now, this era of the world, and then there is the age to come. The time when Jesus will return to the earth, when the Messiah will come as far as the Hebrew and the, and the Christian Scriptures suggest, when 
when Jesus will come and herald in a new age. And Revelation tells us there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so this age, we have heaven and we have earth. And then in the age to come, we have a new heaven and a new earth that combine, they come together. Because when you look at the Scriptures closely and you read them for what they actually say about what is to happen next, is that we don't actually go up to heaven in the reconciliation of all things. God comes here. And then there is a new thing that is made, a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth in one. And heaven will be realized on the earth. Now, I'm going to talk about that one. In fact, I think Angus is talking about that one in a couple of weeks' time. He looks surprised. Good luck, brother. Well, can we bring that slide up again, Mark, if we can? Does that help us to understand a little bit? So Jesus says there's three realities of heaven that we need to get our head around. That for some reason exist concurrently and are wrapped in a mystery. But there is the, the heaven that exists in this age, but not on earth. And then there is the heaven that exists on earth, but not now, in the age to come. But then there's also this third one, which is that heaven can exist on the earth right now in a completely new and different way. And I'm going to talk about that next week. Because I believe, just to give you a hint, that you and I have a role to play in heaven coming to earth in this age. But that's all I'm going to say about it. So the question has to become, we'll leave this up for a bit longer, why does this matter? Why do we need to know this information? And I believe it matters, because I know you asked that question, I'll answer it, I say, I believe this matters because our perspective of heaven determines how we live on this earth. That our perspective of what all of that looks like ultimately determines how we live on this earth. And the other thing that Jesus said was how we live on this earth determines our experience of heaven. That the two are connected. That somehow our rhythm of life, the choices that we make, somehow determine a reality of our experience in heaven. Now, I'm not the judge, so I don't know what all of it truly means. I don't know where the lines are. I know where one line is, and that is declaring Jesus as your Lord and Savior ensures that you make it, and that's it. That's all I got. The rest is up to God to decide. The rest is up to God to determine, but there is some mysterious connection between how we live our life now and how we experience heaven. Jesus talks about storing up treasures in heaven, in the age to come, is actually what He says. So there's something in that mystery. And I think that connects with our everyday experience, doesn't it? Because whilst the way we live now, according to the Scriptures, according to the Bible determines our realities of heaven, how we live, what we, 
we live today in a way towards what we look forward to in our life. I brought that up before, that we, you and I, we live towards what we look forward to in our life. Because some of you are getting married in the next little while. Some of you have been married for a while, but some of you are getting married in the next little while. And I've got to tell you, as I have seen for you and journeyed with you, that when you're getting married, when you look forward to getting married, your life looks a little bit different, doesn't it? You live in a way towards that marriage. If you know it's going to be expensive, you don't spend as much as you would normally. You save. Your lifestyle is restricted in a way to help you experience the best wedding possible unless someone else pays for it, and then you can live the way you want. But it's absolutely true. If you've you, you got a holiday coming up, we, you look forward to it, and you, you figure out what clothes you're going to need to wear. You figure out if the clothes that you wear fit you right now. Or, if they, and if they don't, you figure out how you need to live now to make sure that they do fit you when you get to the beach in summer. Just saying. I don't know why summer is around Christmas. It's not fair. Why can't we have summer? Why can't, you know, we have summer when we've had six months to work on things after Christmas? I don't know, just, just a thought. But isn't it true that we live in a way towards the things that we look forward to in our life? Retirement. And the more that you look forward to something, the more that you desire, the more that you are filled with wonder and anticipation and expectation for that thing, whatever that thing is, the more motivated you are to live in that direction. And therefore, the more time and the more effort and the more energy and behaviors are leveraged in that direction to seeing that thing realized. And so if that reality is true for our holidays and our marriages and our beach endeavors and any other reality that we might be looking forward to our retirement, if it's true of those things, I believe it's a universal truth that exists for heaven as well. That when we have and look forward to heaven in all that it will be. It has the power to deeply shape how we live our life now. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3 about this. And he writes reflecting on what life looks like after we've given our faith to Jesus, once we have given our heart over to Jesus. He says, since then, Having become a part of the faith, you have been raised with Christ. Since you have been raised with Christ, let's assume that's happened. What do we do? We set our hearts on the things that are above. Where Christ is, in a word, heaven. Seated at the right hand of God. That's where He is right now. Now, in this age, in another place. Set your minds 
on the things that are above, as in the things of heaven, not on earthly things. For you died. You died a spiritual death. You died a death to sin, and you were raised. And so your life, your true life, your eternal life, the life of your spirit, is now hidden with Christ in God. It's now with God. It is safe. It is secure. It cannot be taken away. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. This seems to say that you can't. That once you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is secure. Your destiny is assured in heaven in some form. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That's that, what a promise that is. But what, what does Paul say? He says, since there is something more after this life, since there is another part of life than what we can see, feel, taste, and touch, set our hearts in that direction that we might truly discover all that it is. Set our sights on heaven. Why? So that it might shape the way that we live now. What does that look like? What does that actually mean? Well, we've got to ask ourselves the question, is what we're doing, is the way we're spending, is the way that we are loving, do those things reflect the realities of heaven? Or do they reflect the realities of earth? Is our life, are we spending the same way as everyone else? With barely enough paycheck to paycheck? Or are we investing things through generosity with others? Are we trusting God with some of our finances? Are we living with margin so that we can be generous with what we have? Are we loving in the way Jesus calls us to love? Loving in a sacrificial, self-giving way, actively being kind? Or are we just going about life thinking about ourselves all day long? Are we gathering stuff? Or, the, or are we creating memories and opportunities? Are we holding our faith to ourselves? Or are we sharing it with those around us? Friends, that's what living life as if with our eyes fixed on heaven looks like. And Jesus had a great many things to say about that. So read right through the Gospels. Read everything that Jesus says. I challenge you to do it. Even just read Mark's Gospel. It will take you less than an hour to do. And you spent more time on Facebook this week doing that than you did. So think about that. Spend an hour reading the Gospels, and figure out what Jesus has to say about living a rhythm of the kingdom. I could talk about that all day long. But that's a, that's a glimpse of what it looks like to have our eyes on the realities of heaven. Because I know that for you and for me, we want to get life right, don't we? Does anyone want to finish at the end of our life? You want to have a seat in your funeral and look up and go, man, I messed that up. Does anyone want to do that? Or do we want to get it right? Do you want to get your life right? Do you want to live the best possible life that you could? 
Absolutely. We want to avoid the regrets. We want to avoid the failures. We want to avoid investing in the things that had negative returns. That is a principle of of investment, isn't it? We invest in the good things. And if we had the ability to have 2020 hindsight and what to invest in, we would invest in the things that are worth investing in. And I want to suggest to you today that we have, when we fix our eyes to heaven, to the ends in mind, we can begin investing in the things that matter. We can understand the realities of heaven and invest in the things that make an eternal difference in our life. Psalm 90, you've heard me preach about this before. Moses prays to God. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When we realize how valuable our days are, when we realize what we ought to be working towards, I believe those two things alone have the, radi- have the power to radically shape what we do with our life to invest in the things of heaven and who we're going to see there. So heaven, we're all going in some form or another at the end of this life. This life will end and there is something beyond it. If we believe in Jesus, we are guaranteed to get there. But what happens after that, I don't quite know. But what we can know is that there is a wondrous thing that we can work towards right now. And I'm going to pick it up there next week as we look at heaven in this age. Let's pray together. Loving God, how interesting it is that we can think of something so mysterious, so far beyond us. And Lord, there is no way for us to truly know the way, the how, and the what of heaven except to listen to the one that has already been there. You said that you had. And we believe you because you you were raised from the dead. And that's good enough for me. So Lord, help us to fix our eyes not just on the world and the things that we can do and achieve for our own ends, but Lord, help us to fix our eyes on the realities of heaven, that there is a more wondrous place that we get to go, but it's a more wondrous place that we want those that we love to be there too. So Lord, help us to begin today for the rest of our life, to begin the rest of our life with the end in mind. Knowing that that calling 
is an incredible gift that gives us all that we need to know so that we don't get to the end of our life with the regrets of wishing we'd done things a little differently. Instead, give us your wisdom to know how to use the days you have given us for your glory and to see your name praised. In your name we pray. Amen.